0: So, Jessica, since this is your favorite movie, I've got a great question for you. Sure. If you were in charge of the marketing for Aliens, like the um, the related toys fran- franchise, stuff like that, what would you want to put out there related to Aliens?
1: I guess um, if it was... If it was for marketing, I really wanted to um, go over the fact that there's a strong lead female in this movie. Sigourney Weaver does an excellent job being a tough mother, and um, and she isn't glamorized as a Barbie or a ditz or anything like that. She's extremely smart, extremely resourceful, and I think it would be great to have dolls, especially for um, girls that are looking for dolls that um, are a strong intellectual, like, figure for them to look up to and also i'd love to go more into depth about the hr giger dolls and make sure that the queen alien looks really cool for the marketing because that's another huge thing that's sold with this is the fact that the alien is essentially a piece of artwork it's based off of artwork from giger and it would be really cool to have all different um toys and also go over like the life cycle a little bit about how um, they can look really strange. I guess they didn't really go over that too much in this movie. They went more over it with three and four, but it would be really cool to have like all those different xenomorph dolls, like the bull and the bat and other things that they kind of went into way later in the franchise, but it'd be cool to have it start there. So <laughs> yeah.
0: I, I agree. I would also love, you know, how they have um, like the arc, architect right they have stuff for him for west elm i would like an hr giger home collection <laughs> Yeah, like a set of bar glasses inspired by giger <laughs>
1: yes they they really didn't push that much of that at the time and nowadays people are going crazy for that um i was at um alamo draft house and they had um special drink glasses like um that they were giving away um through I can't remember it was birth um, death movies or who was giving it away, but it was a big hit at Alamo. So I I agree with you. That'd be really
0: cool. Right. The Xenomorph Tiki mugs. Yes. I think
1: Uh, those
0: were, those were great. Uh, I could also see a Ripley H and M basics collection. Yes. Cause of all her great tank tops. I know. And maybe some like utility belts
1: that look cool. Like, cause I'm sure like having something that looked kind of like tough, like a fun utility belt would, I think would have sold a little bit. So especially in like the punk community. Nice. Lots of folks would like that. So,
0: What a, what about you, Brett? What would you do as a, a promotional material for aliens?
2: Uh, if I was promoting aliens, if I was head of marketing, I would definitely do a strong push on like these ultra realistic gross slimy kind of hr giger nightmare dolls but do it for um happy meals yeah so like
0: furby but geeger yeah
2: but like you open up your happy meal and then you get this gross face hugger thing and then you got to go back the next week to get the next one
1: that sounds pretty cool to me
2: i like
0: that i like <laughs> that a lot you see me? I keep it simple with uh, I do don't know—a rap song, having a uh, Megan Thee Stallion do a Xenomorph song uh, to go with the hit of the summer. Yes, it'd be perfect.
1: I've um, always thought about making a like fun mix of taking um, was it fire fireworks with um, Katy Perry? but having it remixed with like all of the different explosions cuz there's so many women in that movie too to have like clips of all like the badasses like shooting guns or flying the um the different planes and you could easily do like a fun little like remix of that um, with that song so
0: oh totally fireworks roar yes. you could definitely do a few Katy Perry needle drops with the Ripley's most empowered moments yes. in this movie Uh, I, I agree with you. All right, let's do it. (laughs) This is Necromancer.
2: Necromancer.
0: I'm Shira. I'm a fan of rom-coms.
2: I'm Brett, and I am a fan of horror movies.
0: Jessica Jabretsky, what kind of movies do you like? Um, Sci-fi horror. Those are my... Jastrzewski.
1: Damn it. Um, Actually, a lot of folks on um, sets have been nicknaming me Jetski, because it's just too difficult, so
0: I've been called Jetski a lot on set, so it's... That's fine. Too. No, it's not too difficult. My name mm-hmm. is Shira. I'm supposed to get this right. Her mm-hmm. name is Jessica Jastrzewski. Say her name. Uh, and you like sci-fi movies? I love sci-fi <laughs> horror. Um, I love
1: horror, but specifically sci-fi is my favorite. Um, Aliens, the whole franchise, Predators, um, uh, Equilibrium, like anything to do with sci-fi horror, I just love. I can watch all
0: day long. So I think that's great. I think you're in the exact right place because <laughs> typically every week Brett picks a horror movie because he's the horror guy, and I pick a rom com, and then we remix those movies and turn the horror into a rom-com and the rom com into a horror. And I'm very excited to get my hands on your pick today. Aliens.
1: I thought about that too because of like the whole Hicks-Ripley relationship throughout that. I mean, it's obvious that they were kind of setting up for hopefully like a sequel with her and um, Hicks and Newt being like a family and um, hitting it off out of this traumatic situation. And even um, before the untimely passings of certain characters, there is insinuation about like flirting and um, other kind of romantic feelings throughout it. So, it it definitely doesn't shy away from that. And that's also secretly one of my favorite things about the movie too is there's some fun romance in it. So, what can I say?
0: Oh well, it's not a secret for me. I loved it. I would make John Connor with that guy in an instant. Yes, exactly.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh. No, um, Michael Bay is, like, amazing in that movie, and um, originally he wasn't even, um, he wasn't casted at first, it was somebody else, and that person left, so they last minute called him, flew him, like, to England, to Pinewood Pinewood, uh, Hills, right? Um, and he just started, and he took, like, the um, pay bill of the same person, the script, and the uniform, and luckily the uniform fit, and just jumped into that character, so
0: which is that's awesome he was i thought that he was great he he seemed like a a natural and uh well when we dive into the movie i'll pinpoint the point at which i out loud was like ah oh, that is so cool of you yeah. <laughs> hicks you're the best hicks like this is why we like you yeah. uh so so i think he really shines as a sort of foil for Ripley and a romantic interest yeah. for him. So tell us more about what makes Aliens your favorite movie.
1: Um, you know, uh, one of my biggest things, and I didn't realize this till years later, is ultimately it's about two mothers uh, fighting each other for their species. Uh, you have Ripley, who's representing Earth, and you have the queen alien who's representing her hive. And they're both fighting to the death as to who is actually going to succeed for their, um, you know, for their beings. And it's um, also has like a lot of dramatic moments, especially the, um, uh, the, uh, the, not the director's cut, but like the full cut that Cameron came up with years later is, it's about a woman that's dealing with PTSD. She's dealing with the fact that the loss of her daughter and, um, you know, it's about her getting her courage back and getting back out there and kicking ass and putting all of aside to save the day. Um, and I really enjoy the fact that Cameron made that, and it's still an action-packed sci-fi movie with blood and guts and, you know, crazy stuff, you know, things coming out of people's chests. but then it still has, like, these subtle, very important um, ideas that I think a lot of movies shy away from these days and don't cover. Um, and it was really, like, I- um, with the um, larger... Um, with the longer cut, it shows like her actually dealing with PTSD, which me as a um, cancer survivor, I had to deal with a lot and getting through cancer and going through the surgery and other things. I was really looking at that character as someone that can, as, um, you know, someone that, um, you know, that's been through a lot and says like, screw it. I'm going to go back out there and keep on going with my life and keep on fighting. So it was a huge inspiration for me through my fights too, as well.
2: So
0: I agree. I think both Ripley and Jonesy yep. are very empowering <laughs> in that way. <laughs> Uh, they they've been through they've definitely been through a lot and I like what you have to say about this being a battle between two mothers something that Brett has to tolerate from me a lot is my definition of a strong female character and for me a strong female character helps other women and Ripley right from the beginning is out there looking out for new looking out for her teammates she isn't just you know coldly invested in survival for herself she she's willing to go out there for other people and it's a very feminine trait that she leans into as a strength rather than a weakness even when people criticize her like paul reiser
1: I mean, everybody criticized her. Even Alpone, he's like, "Oh, is there any way that you can help?" And she's like, "Back up, yeah, I can do this power lifter." And,
2: you know? uh, I don't know. I feel uh. like that's more. I feel like that's more of a military civilian kind of. That's a good kind point. of questioning. Uh, that's a good point. Uh, I
1: think he would react the same if Paul Reiser was like, "Oh, I can do that power lifter." He's like,
2: "I could see it," but. But I do agree that the the laugh that Hicks and him share is kind of like, ooh, we are so glad we didn't say anything. Because yeah. <laughs> they know, they know. They were thinking it, but they didn't say it.
1: Exactly. No, that's a fair point.
2: Uh, but I also liked the, uh, the at the very beginning, when they're like, hey, we need you to go back. And she's like, even if I did, I wouldn't be any good to you. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, yeah, it, it's not something that you can just like, dody-do back into she's like no this is this had a huge impact on me can't you tell
1: exactly um and they completely underestimated the threat and um i think that (laughs) i think that happens a lot to all of us that you know we try to warn folks about stuff and they just don't take you seriously and then when they're actually thrown into the mix it's like Oh my god, like this person was right, you know, and I I think everybody kind of goes through that too, and I I experienced that too. So I kind of clung on to that idea that it's like you don't know what you're talking about. It's like, "Oh, yeah, I do." And they're making of- one of the like, uh, like you know,
2: one of the variants of of one of our favorite uh, action movie archetypes, the grumpy hero. Yeah. One of oh, she's the- such a
0: grumpy hero.
2: She's perfect. Well, one of the variants is that I was right all along, but I don't have time to brag about exactly. it. I, ha- I just have to clean up after your exactly. mess. <laughs> like that's such a great character. Yes.
1: <laughs> no. And she definitely did. Yeah. That's very.
0: What? Yeah. That's her vibe completely. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. It's like, okay, you're right. I didn't even think about that, that she never really took time to like brag about it. She's just like, okay, you know, snap out of it. We got to survive. Chop, chop, type of thing. So, um, Um, And I don't really think that she's the type to brag either. I never really got that sense out of that. I mean, she did, like, her clone self kind of made fun of jokes in, like, Resurrection, but she just didn't seem like that person. She always seemed to have class, you know, and that was another um, shining example about the fact that she knew that she was absolutely right, but didn't gloat about it or um, brag about it, so... But whenever I think about the grumpy yeah. characters, I think about that scene where she has, like, the cigarette, and it's just, like, this long of, like, ash, and she's going oh, yeah. into space, like, oh my god, I love that. Oh.
0: She's also that archetype of the, uh, the you know, like, the Rambo type, where they're now asking her to go back in And she's just recovering from having been in, but they're like, no, we need you back. And I love the part when she says, you know, are we going in there to kill them? Yeah. Uh, And Paul Reiser says, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to go in there and kill them. Of course. Uh, And he's like, and she tentatively is like, okay then. But it's, it's totally that archetype of the action hero getting called back. Uh, It's, it's really satisfying to see it with a, a woman in that role. Absolutely. Uh, should we get into the summary? Sure. All right. So this is a sequel to Alien, Aliens, for people who who don't know. But I actually think if you have no exposure to Alien or the Alien franchise, you could drop into this movie and and be pretty comfortable. You just... You know, you know exactly what kind of action hero she is, like I was saying. But she, Ellen Ripley, has been in stasis for 57 years, looks great, and <laughs> uh, <laughs> And after, and she's in an escape shuttle that's just been wandering space after the first movie ship, the Nostromo, uh, was destroyed in order to kill the first alien. So then she is rescued and debriefed by her employers at the Wayland Yutani Corporation, who are skeptical about this whole alien claim. It, Brett, it reminded me of uh, Jessica a little while back. We watched. ghosts of mars ghosts because of mars. this is this is one of brett's favorite movies and it it reminded me a lot like i i feel like ghosts of mars definitely cribbed off of this
2: yeah i love the 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 greatest horror is the horror of bureaucracy yes.
0: oh it is <laughs> in my pitch later when we do our uh this is the first for the ghoul friend experience we're going to do competitive pitches and Jessica, as the producer, you're gonna pick one, uh, but the corporate angle is is a big part of uh, my okay. pitch. Uh, but uh, but yeah, of course, the the real horror is bureaucracy, is. and of course they're like, oh, we don't believe you about these aliens, whatever. Uh, but, um, after contact is lost with the colony that of course, in the 57 years that Ripley's been asleep, somebody goes to the place where they found the alien eggs and was like, you know what? This seems like a really cool place to live. Uh, and then they start living there. So right around the time that-
2: No, they go to the place and they say, this could be a really cool place to live. Let's start terraforming so that then maybe other discoveries will be made. Because they clearly don't know that that spaceship is there.
0: Clearly. Uh, But anyway, so like pretty much like right on time, we lose contact with the colony. Paul Reiser goes to Ripley and is like, you got to go back uh but ripley is still traumatized by her alien encounter she's having bad dreams she's really suffering uh and then she agrees under the condition that they exterminate the creatures uh and then she's and,
2: in- <laughs> i think this is the scene where she throws her arm out right and she's like wait we are going to kill them right or but whatever that scene where she throws her arm out in front of paul riser to stop him from walking away i was like holy crap I can't believe that they would, like, pull out the heavy guns of Sigourney Weaver this early in the movie. Like, this is almost, like, her best scene. It's so nuanced and subtle. But then the movie just keeps going, oh, you ain't seen nothing. Yeah,
1: no, that's a very good point (laughs) because I I believe that she was, like, talking to, like, the head of Weyland-Yutani because she had just said, like, to one of the other corporate folks, like, um oh did iq sharply drop, drop was away and kind of said like not listening right. to me at all like hello and then um and then that line like there's so many quotable lines in that movie but that dude's like yeah it's what we call our shake and bake colony like I don't know, yeah. like weird 80s references but um yeah and she's like wait a minute there's 60 80 families families you know in that moment um you can see her going from confident to just shriveling up and just in horror and the subtleties that Sigourney weaver has is just spot on with that scene so
0: i think you're right i think her face acting in this movie is just is really great uh uh and i like her introduction to the marines because again it's so much show don't tell because she's been through this all before but she's not the kind of person who's going to stand in the face of their hubris and just tell them they're wrong right away until she's like invited on the stage to tell them what happened to her. And Bill Paxton's like, Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's great. He's amazing.
2: Uh, but also so. this movie kind of has like an order to chaos yes. theme, especially with the military, right? They're very organized. And then the moment the shit, it's the fan it's all disorganized. But it also kind of works that way for the meta aspect of the movie, because this scene mirrors how we meet the crew the first time around, which is them waking up, them getting together, them having a meal and just shooting the shit. Um, And so we we also have this meta commentary of like, this is how sequels are done. But then by the end of Aliens, it's like, oh, no, that's not how sequels are done. That's how they should be done.
0: James Cameron is awesome at sequels. Yes. He's just yeah. give him a sequel and he can nail it.
1: Um, it's definitely not like a rinse and repeat type of thing. It has its own story that almost by itself can just, um, just tell. You know, um, can just be by itself. I guess is what I'm trying to say. So. Um,
0: I love that whole intro and exchange with Bishop. Yes. From the the knife play to her realizing that he's an android or a synth and and her uh anti-synth prejudice. Yeah. Uh it was it was great. Uh all right. So Artificial Person. Yes, artificial person. <laughs> oh Thank yeah, that's you. right. Artificial person, sorry. <laughs> that's what I should have made my squad cast name. Uh <laughs> So the the drop shift delivers the expedition to the surface of LV-426, where they find the colony deserted. Uh, There are makeshift barricades and battle signs are inside, but there are no bodies. And then uh, two live alien facehuggers in containment tanks and a traumatized girl nicknamed Newt uh, are the sole survivors. So then the crew finds the colonists beneath the fusion-powered atmosphere processing station and head to their location, descending into quarters covered with alien secretions. I felt like there were a a little less, like, Giger, vaginal illusion-type scenery in this movie, but they really made up for it in Prometheus, so, (laughs) I mean, I'm not angry. Um, I, um, but, uh... and I believe with
1: this one unfortunately I feel like there's a mix up too with credits to Giger that they took his design but didn't properly credit him so that's also a reason why it kind of didn't uh, have the same feel as like the first movie because I believe they just took the idea and went with it versus having him on set and helping him do the production design so um...
2: that, yeah, makes that makes sense, sense. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's like oh yeah this is an alien but it's like yeah but it's not HR yeah exactly
1: (laughs) where on alien like he was actually on set with like chicken bones and you know fake like clay and making like real um sculptures from real bones and stuff like that so
0: so unsettling but so awesome (laughs) (laughs) uh So we do get, though, a nice scene of, I say a nice scene, but uh, all the cocooned colonists that are incubating the aliens. Uh, And so the Marines end up killing an infant alien after it bursts out of someone's chest. uh, And then it makes a bunch of other aliens pop up and they start killing them. And it's exactly like you described, Brett. All hell breaks loose and we're no longer exploring the Marianas Trench. We are in the shit.
2: <laughs> I also love how, like, the chest burster is such a classic thing that when it bursts out of the chest, even my reaction as. Like knowing that they shouldn't be using weapons down there and that there's a whole hive down there, my reaction was yeah. kill it. <laughs> like kill it with fire. And then I was like, Oh shit, that's right. The sequel is alien exactly. plural. Um, oh no. But as a
1: child, I saw this when I was I think like uh seven or eight. My dad wanted me to watch it because it was a strong female character, so he was excited to be like, Oh, look. But then that scene like seriously scarred me for like most of my life. And it wasn't until I was like 20 that I sat down to rewatch that movie. Because I love Ugar's like artwork and I love James Cameron's directing. Um, but it took me that long to get over that scene. It just upset me so much as a kid to see something like come out of someone's chest like that. I,
0: don't
1: I had nightmares for like weeks. So, <laughs>
0: uh. I'm just amazed. I love that your dad saw this movie and was like, she's got to see this strong female yeah. character, but then was not thinking she's also yes. eight. <laughs> That's the kind of thing my dad would do.
1: Um, I grew up and he would um, like uh, at dinner, we'd sit down and watch like Star Trek and other sci-fi things. So he definitely was the one that got me into um, sci-fi at a very young age. But then, you know, that movie just, <laughs> maybe should have waited a little bit longer to show me that movie. So um
0: yeah, I mean the chest bursters. That's the one thing that you can never get over, and never gets old. Even when you know you've seen the newer movies like Prometheus and Alien Covenant, and you can't get away from the chest bursters because it's just so yes, effective. Definitely, uh, it's it's really great. Uh, so, so they they end up panicking, and Gorman doesn't want to go back and rescue them and Ripley hell to the no assumes command takes the wheel of the car and just bursts through so that she can get all the remaining survivors mm-hmm. and then hustle back out of there and we have that nice moment between her and Hicks where he's like slow down yes. you know like you're you're driving on metal we're out of the danger now i i liked that a lot
2: i i also like that because he's like he's explaining to her you know the axle is grinding the transmission or something but he's not like explaining it to her right now she's in panic emotion override mode and he's like no logic calm slow and it's yeah it's not like slam on the brakes you're like wow, it's like, no, just take it yeah. easy. Slow down. Take it slow. It was a great moment.
0: Uh, it, and then it's followed by the even greater moment, which is when Ripley says, I think that we should nuke it. Yes. I think we should get out of here. And then uh, I don't know if it was Gorman or somebody else was like, oh, we can't do that. Maybe it's it was Paul Reiser. Riser. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and Hicks just looks her dead in the eye and, and just says, I think we should nuke it. And I'm like, oh, chef's kiss? Taking her advice?
2: (laughs) (laughs) If only they had done that in the first place when she told them Mm. not to enter the ship and break quarantine. And at the beginning of the first Alien, if they had listened to her at any point in the first Alien movie, this movie would not exist.
1: Um, She's definitely more like play it (sighs) safe. until like the end when she goes and yeah. um, rescues Newt and everything, but for the most part, she's always been let's play it safe. Um,
2: attitude. Yeah.
0: So, yeah. Oh, that moment is so earned when we get to it. It's uh, it reminds me of something that Brett likes to say often, which is the moment in the movie when the risk assessor becomes the risk yeah. taker. So her risk taker moment is very oh, well yeah. earned. Definitely. Uh, so, Ripley finds out that Burke ordered the colonists to investigate the spaceship containing the alien eggs, intending to profit by recovering them for bioweapon research. Uh, And then before she can expose him, Bishop informs the group that the dropship crashed, damaged the power plant cooling system. Oh, yeah. I forgot to mention when they do try to nuke the colony, there's a little cute little stowaway alien that says, surprise, I'm here. Uh, And he causes one of the, the jet pilots to crash. And when they crash, they also crash into their getaway spaceship. So now they're stuck on the planet with aliens plural. Yep. Uh, And then on top of that, the cooling system is going to blow. So they also have a limited amount of time in which they can be where they are. I I like those elements. Like this is one of those movies where, like you know, I know it's such a cliche to talk about the whole Hitchcockian the bomb under the table, but this is exactly one of those moments where James Cameron looks out the window and says, here's the bomb. It's ticking. Either the aliens are going to get us or we're going to go boom. What's going to happen next to our characters? Uh, So anyways, uh, they, oh, Bishop ends up being a cool artificial person and he volunteers to go to the transmitter in the colony uh and remotely pilot the Sulaco's remaining drop shit to the surface uh and then ripley and newt fall asleep in the medical laboratory and they awaken to find two face huggers coming right for them it's like the raptors in jurassic yes. park but i think even no, scarier because um, i think um
1: they're really good at hiding, especially you can kind of see that with like the first movie, that they're very stealthy. They know what they're doing and just like their little like crawling on the ground is just so creepy. Um, and um, also that scene, too, where it's crawling on the ground, They um, James Cameron really wanted it to jump out, um, but only thought about doing it backwards. Um, and uh, everyone was like, oh, no, 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 that's not going to work because the water dripping from the ceiling is going to look upside down. But he said, no, listen to me. And it didn't it didn't look like that at all. So it was like another one of those key moments that James Cameron was just like, I'm right. Just, I think in some ways, like the Ripley character was um, part of him throughout that movie because there so many times that he had difficulty uh, with the crew, um, just um, trying to get what he wants. And he knows what he wants. He knows how to get it, but it was just questioned a lot. And this was just one of those examples that he had to deal with, so...
0: And he's not a Roger Corman type where he's about to just be yes. like, huh. Ah, we'll just no, move
1: on. Quality is definitely extremely important to him.
0: Yeah. I like, uh, I like how with the face huggers too, they're kind of like thing from the Adams yes. family. Like they just, they just pop up with the little fingers. <laughs> Uh, so they they battle it out with them, and then Hicks comes to the rescue and and shoots some of them. And I think we're supposed to find out that Burke intended for the face huggers to impregnate Newt and uh, Ripley so that he could still get some specimens yes. back. Naughty boy, uh, and while escaping, they encounter the alien uh, queen. So, oh wait, sorry i I yeah. skipped a whole I skipped a whole section. I'm sorry, uh, but yeah, it's so- like the
2: scene in Heat uh, where, like, the alien queen and Ripley sit down at the coffee table to kind of verbally test each other out. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Well, yeah. So wait. Oh, wait. No, no, no. We get all the we get Burke gets exposed for all of his bad stuff. But then the aliens come and they attack everyone. They kill Burke. They subdue Hudson. They injure Hicks. Uh, Gorman and Vasquez sacrifice themselves to stall the Horde. Newt is separated from Ripley and then captured
2: yeah uh, And what a great uh, this movie's just full of great little arcs where like at the beginning of the movie honestly it could be a toss-up is paul riser gonna be one of those guys who turns out to be a total scumbag or does he prove himself bishop is he evil or is he good and like gorman is like yeah he's a freaking dweeb and he sucks but then at the end of the movie it's like yep he earns he earns that so kill <laughs> so yeah this movie this movie is just <laughs> so satisfying <laughs>
0: This movie is really satisfying, and I feel like it earns its runtime in a way that, like, I can't argue for other movies where I could argue for this one where it feels really natural. And, you know, like in an action sci-fi movie where they always have to have that we got to go back moment, like, you can, similar with Ghosts of Mars, they couldn't just leave the Mars colony, (laughs) they had to go back and blow everybody up it's it's a similar thing too you have to give a compelling reason for why they have to go back and i i think they they pulled that off Definitely. in this movie pretty well
1: nothing feels free. like that's uh, the thing, is all these reactions um all these motivations for him everybody just seems so realistic and everything just seems so earned and um it like like you said it it i i there is, like, after rewatching it, like, hundreds of times, there are moments in the movie that I'm like, oh, this might be, like, a little slow in this section. But it all makes sense. It's all building up to something. Yeah. An arc of a character, an arc of the story, I, there's a reason for every single little thing, which is amazing.
2: I would say if you're a civilian, I could definitely see where this movie kind of hits the brakes a little bit. But if you're a filmmaker, this movie is nonstop. stop <laughs> Like this movie just does not quit. Like it's exhausting. It's exhausting in the same way that like an Edgar Wright movie is exhausting. Cause it's just, it's like you, you got to slow down so that my filmmaker brain can process all this crazy stuff you're throwing at me. Uh, Even in the quiet moments, like the hope to die scene. It's like, Oh my God, this whole scene is just nuts. Like this is such a great, well written well constructed well acted Mm -hmm. scene it's really powerful it's really great and it's just like you know most people might just be like all right yeah it's you know it's the it's the mom and the daughter talking it'll all be okay all right i get it
0: i think you're right about this being a filmmaker's movie but that said i feel like i would have loved to have seen aliens in theaters I think that this movie is great for theaters. Like, at home, it's a lot of fun, too. But just getting that big movie theater sound experience with this movie would be great. Um,
1: I saw it once at the Alamo, and then a couple months ago, um, I rented at a theater just to... It was for a party, and I picked, like, the movie, and it was aliens. I just... (laughs) and it does it makes a huge difference actually watching it on the screen and seeing the details and um uh, seeing all the especially on the armor of the um space marines like it's interesting to see like all those little pieces
2: on the
0: large screen i'm coming (laughs) to your birthday parties from now on
2: (laughs) i uh yeah and this to be in that audience to like now that's what we expect You know what I mean? Like we expect the sequel to be bigger and better and badder, or we expect a big finale with a giant monster and stuff. But like in 1986, I don't know, man, if I I didn't watch any trailers for this movie afterwards, but it's like, I don't know how this movie would have been crazy to, to throw out to people. I mean, yeah, there's a reason why this movie instantaneously hit the pop culture. Xenogeist. Yes. Zeitgeist. Xenogeist. yeah, <laughs> Xenogeist.
0: I, I say keep it. I I follow the Xenogeist. <laughs> and it's funny you mentioned that. Because I was thinking about community. When Troy and Abed do a Halloween costume. With the power lifter. Uh, oh, yeah. And everything. So... Yes, this movie really just instantly was injected into the culture as soon as it was released.
2: Yeah, and Predator is like, okay, what if we take aliens, but instead of making them like a semi-realistic team of space colonel marines, we just make them all giant muscles (laughs) punching each other, (laughs) like yeah that predator just amps up the testosterone and gunpowder even more um but yeah it's i i don't know i think it's crazy that this movie came out before predator because in my brain i think predator and then no aliens. same
1: thing i i forget that too um uh but talking about i didn't um, know that actually the masculinity what i like about aliens too it's like it's a mixture between that masculinity and femininity you have both spectrums in there so i that's another thing that although i do like predator a lot aliens is definitely uh my favorite because it explores both sections and it doesn't shy away from femininity too and it's not made fun of or it's not the girlfriend side person like it's front and center this is it type of things
2: so. well Alien is all about exploration, right? Exploration of the unknown, exploration of the dark secrets and, and it's so craziness. Phonic. So <laughs> it it makes sense that aliens would explore masculinity, whereas Predator flexes yes. masculinity. Like it's just it's, it's especially so great.
1: that part where they they
0: see each yeah. other and they like, you know, like yeah. yeah.
2: Ugh, yes. son of a bitch.
0: <laughs> I can see how that resonates with you, Brett. I, I'm with Jessica. I like the femininity of the Aliens franchise. And I also, it's my favorite kind of femininity monstrous yes. and chaotic. Uh, all right, so so we're, we're getting into the homecoming stretch now. Ripley and Hicks have made it to the dropship because Bishop is a good artificial person. I really loved that turn uh, for his character, but Ripley's got to go back for Newt uh so the plan is for her to go back and they're going to to the drop ship is going to remain as long as it can so that they can go back in uh so ripley goes into the hive to rescue newt and then we get the best sequence when they (laughs) escape they encounter the alien queen in the egg chamber and you know what scene this made me think of brett Uh, So Jessica a while back we did a Hitchcock theme and we watched uh, Brett picked the birds and so I'm sure you remember that scene from the birds where all the crows are on the jungle gym and it's like oh shit we're in trouble now the egg chamber is exactly
2: like that to me. You know, what's crazy is I thought about Carrie and Brian De Palma is known for being a huge Hitchcock fan. The Carrie, when they follow the rope up and over and then you see the bucket of blood. I thought like, oh, yeah, we see the egg and then we go up and over. So, yeah, that's funny. Hitchcock, De Palma, uh yeah, <laughs> birds I, I, I
1: never made that connection, but you're absolutely right. It's like everything's still and it's so quiet. I bet you in that theory you could probably hear a pinfall because it's just so quiet. And all you hear is like the breathing of like the queen, like that weird hesitated sound that comes from her and even like the notions when like the other warriors come up um and she kind of gives them like a nod and then they start sliding away like it's just about hearing the breathing and that's it and like the getting the gun ready like the little clicks on it and whatnot so um yeah but it's just like that moment of like oh shit we're in trouble like how are we gonna get out of this like um, but I also like the communication too, between the queen and the warriors. So, you know, that that's definitely who they report to Yeah, and they listen to what she says. And, um, especially that line where, um, when they're talking to Paul Reiser and they're like, oh, you don't see them screwing each other for a percentage. And it's true because you see that in the moment where the queen's like, we got to make sure these eggs are live." back up. She's, you know, um we'll we'll work this out type of thing to the warriors and it's all with little nods which again like simple little things are just so important
2: (laughs) oh that dog that confused curious dog head tilt it does when the elevator comes down (laughs) yes Uh i can just imagine if it had ears (laughs) they would perk up
1: (laughs) i'm never going to see that scene again the same way i'm going to think about dog ears each time Uh, yeah
2: yeah. (laughs)
0: oh the queen though the queen iconic you know it it reminds me of that meme where they'll show a picture and they'll say the way that she defined an era with just a few scenes um and it's also absolutely it also goes back to like
1: the whole um kind of like jaws idea that you only need like a little bit in there but the parts that are in there are just so scary especially when she turns around the corner and it's just like her arms kind of hanging out and you know that she's um trying to find ripley and you know behind that wall there's probably like 15 puppeteers like trying to hold that up and everything but he is um, very impactful
0: that's a good point just the physical effects in this movie are so brilliant um
1: and even um there uh what's i forget is it considered rare projection or um front projection like the crashing and everything but even at that he does an excellent job and their special effects does an excellent job hiding where the scene um ends and where like the real dirt begins i i
0: think
2: yeah that crash sequence looked yes great yeah i agree
0: yeah, I just, especially for 1986, yeah. it's just so, so efficient. Uh, so there, we were talking about there was this little ceasefire between the Queen and Ripley where it seems we've come to an understanding. But then one of the eggs mm-hmm. starts to open and Ripley's got to no. start shooting and of course all hell breaks loose and then ripley isn't just like i'm defending myself ripley's like i'm no. i'm ending it yeah uh, <laughs> which i it's thought like was if you cool and your species uh, like this is going down
1: like right here
0: oh exactly but what she doesn't know is that like any good queen there's a reveal And that giant egg tube is detachable, so the queen, you know, is ready to go out on these streets uh, in her new outfit, uh, and she follows Ripley. Uh, And uh, at first, it seems like Bishop is going to screw them. Uh, and she's like, ah, damn it, Bishop! But mm-hmm. then he does show up because he had to, you know, kind of like he's picking her up from the yes. airport. He had to oh circle god, I didn't a few even times. Think about that. Oh <laughs> my god! <laughs> <laughs> oh. But we think that they've made it. But then they get ambushed by the queen again, who stowed away on the dropship's landing gear, uh, and the queen tears bishop in half and elmer's glue just explodes out of his body <laughs> that was you know that was my uh most emotional kill in the movie i don't know about y'all um, it was
1: pretty it was pretty disgusting um i like all the memes that came from it that like queen takes bishop <laughs>
2: I like that. I
1: love (laughs) that. But no, it's really um, gross. And they were using um, yogurt and milk, but they didn't refrigerate it properly. So at some point um, he got sick, actually. One of the takes and like threw up because they kept on pointing at his mouth and he spits it out. And eventually he did get sick from that scene because they weren't refrigerating it properly. So... I think it was like hundreds of takes they took like the throwing where they also that when they throw it it just wasn't landing right but a lot of the takes like in that scene they had to like redo
2: sometimes that kind of stuff is silly like a hundred takes to do this or like at a certain point but man yes that was worth it definitely. for this one <laughs> it's so that that death Either. scene is it's it's god tier it's one of the most impactful yes. death scenes on a character who really doesn't have that much like you said sure this was the most emotional um death in the movie and it's for a character who has very limited screen time but yeah i mean again his arc is very simplistic hey you can't trust robots to hey you know he he came yeah. back you can trust him i guess it's very 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 simple but when she just rips him in half yeah. oh my god and it's like- like why don't more movies do this? and
1: it was right after her finally accepting that he's a good guy i think that what to make it so impactful. like immediately, yeah, immediately after she's like oh i like you deaf <laughs> like, so i think that's why that hurts so much because i think all along like he was trying to convince her like hey i'm a good guy just like how she was trying to convince everybody like hey these things are dangerous and he was trying to convince her Hey, I'm really a good guy, and then once he proved it, it's like death.
2: So, wow. and Lance Bishop or Lance Bishop, Lance Henriksen gives a great performance because, like, I don't think he gives that sense of like I want to impress Ripley. He's so cold and emotionless, but you can tell that Lance Henriksen has that. Like, he brings that cold, emotionless, but with a spark mm-hmm. of humanity. Because he's like, yeah, he's like, I just like, it sucks that you can't trust me because I do want to help. He's not like, you know, he's not trying to, he doesn't have a chip on his shoulder at all. He's more sympathetic towards her. And he's like, man, if you did trust me, we could, we could work together. We could do some cool stuff. No, absolutely. And then no, (laughs) the queen, queen takes bishop.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I can't believe this is my first time hearing (laughs) about that. Um. Uh, but now is the money shot this is the i feel like people who haven't even seen the movie know about this scene because uh i mean it, I, i'd seen aliens and an alien before but it's just been forever so i kept waiting i'm like all right where's the scene when she says yeah. the line when is she gonna say the line and then here we go folks uh we've got alien versus Ripley. Ripley gets the power um the power lifter suit on, which is like a mecha forklift. Uh it it's awesome. And she manages once again to get the alien into the airlock door mm-hmm. area. And to have the alien vacuumed out into space while Ripley hangs on for dear life before closing the bay doors again. And Ripley, Newt, Hicks, and Damaged Bishop make it out alive, go back into cryo sleep, roll credits.
2: Yeah they go to sleep and so do we (laughs) what more do you need
0: (laughs) i like that they didn't they didn't extend the ending
1: um and it's it's weird because nowadays we're so used to end credits like something happening at the end and i'm so glad that back in the day that wasn't a thing because um who knows how that would have like changed things to have like a little thing after credits or something like that
2: yeah i didn't even think about that
0: me neither but yeah i feel like if it were made today we'd have to have an a literal yes. easter egg at the end <laughs> like
2: <laughs> they did yes, for prometheus did. right it was i can't remember what it was whatever it was, it was like was, the was. new
0: um oh
1: god uh, not the warrior i forget what it was but it was one that came out of like the chest of the dead um pilot
2: Oh, right. Right, right, right. The yes. shark fin type one. Yeah, I gotcha.
1: And I really, um, I meant to bring this up too. like at the ending, like the song that they used is used in every single damn commercial. I don't know if you all have noticed like that. Um,
2: um, which song it? was it?
0: Um,
1: it's like the part where they're fighting and she's coming out of the airlock and her leg just makes it before the door shuts. Like that music, um, I can't believe I'm blanking out. Um, the musician ended up working with James Cameron again in Titanic, but he's um, excellent scores that he makes. And
2: thank oh, yeah. you. yeah, James, James Horner. P- yeah, his score is, yeah. oh my God. It's fantastic in and, this movie. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. for
1: a while, all commercials I had like action scenes that they actually took a clip from um, this seen in aliens which is amazing because it was actually created out of fear not fear but they were under strong time limits to create this song so it was almost um perfect because then you can take that and put that into anything because that's the way james horner made that because they just didn't have enough time to exactly sync everything in there so it was made to kind of put in wherever they needed to last minute Sorry, I'm like a great nerd when it comes down to this. I love that.
0: No, this is the... Jessica, you've come to the perfect place to be the number one nerd (laughs) about aliens. And also, you wouldn't know this, but I nerd out about scores all the time. And Brett rolls his eyes as I'm like, oh, and then they played... This Beethoven string quartet <laughs> and it, chamber music was such a good match for this.
2: Uh, uh, but no, d- and in the beginning when the robot type things come in and are scanning the ship, the music is really yeah. kind of like eerie and off putting, but, uh, but then when they go back to the space Marines and the space Marines, just before they wake up, the music is like the same kind of eeriness. So even though, you know, they're both kind of different elements of space travel, going away from the planet or to the planet. It's like, no, space travel is inherently this weird, off-putting, out-of-place mm-hmm. experience. Uh, yeah, it was a great score. Uh,
0: I I agree. I like when great scores come about accidentally, yeah, like I, you uh, described too. And it was like it
1: was in Pinewood that they were trying to film it, and I guess the gear was extremely old, and James was like. I don't know how I'm gonna get this in time. Like these recording devices aren't up to date at all. You guys gave me no timeline to do this at all. And from what I understand, like they were all like um, fighting a lot. James Cameron and Galen Hurt were all fighting and then they finally popped something out. They kind of all acted like they're never gonna talk again. But then many, many years later they bumped into each other and James Cameron's like, hey, I wanna make up to you. What I did to you on Aliens, I want you to score um, Titanic. Would you be interested? And I'll give you all the time you need to do this. And then they kind of repair their uh, professional work relationship from that after that. So yeah.
0: yes, <laughs> I like that. I like that <laughs> end to that story. I feel like a gig is the best way to apologize yes. to another yeah. another artist. Like I've got a gig for you. <laughs> that that is proper yeah. making up for it and then the score to Titanic is you know one of the most famous it's scores of all time
1: um, and I love his work with Star Trek um I loved um Kroll that was absolutely amazing his uh, scores and Kroll like I'm a huge fan because he's really into um horns I love his use of the brass um I think it's beautiful um so
0: very Gustav Holst. Yeah. <laughs> So any final thoughts before we get into our uh, question that we ask after every horror Uh, movie? You
1: know, um, for anybody that hasn't seen it, just go out. Because I know some people still haven't seen it. And just uh, it's for anybody except for eight-year-old children like me. Maybe Maybe that (laughs) won't work out. But, you know, it's not just about action. It's not just about sci-fi or horror. It's everything. You know, so it, it's hard to really walk out being like, oh, I hated that movie. It's not going to, I really don't think it's going to happen. So if you haven't seen it, give it a try. Watch it. If you can watch the director's cut um, and just have some popcorn and enjoy it. I think it's a fabulous, anything, a well-built, like, package. It's just everything you would want in a movie. So,
0: <laughs> I couldn't agree more. Um,
1: it, it's, um, and it's just like, like I said, it, if you, even if you're a sucker for like um, romantic stuff, like it's, uh oh, that whole, I'm sorry. That whole thing with um, like Hicks and with uh, Ripley is so cute. And also um, Ripley and Newt, like both of them together. Like, it's just really sweet. There's so many like just sweet, kind moments in that movie that uh, contrast with all the oh, kind of yeah. action and brutality of the movie. So.
2: Yeah, and Ripley is always trying like pretty much fighting an uphill battle in terms of like she's always having to take charge and explain everything to everyone. And then when she sits down or stands up and looks at that one map thing and she's like, it's all just a bunch of lines, and she's like, Oh yeah, this yes. is a vent, this is a door. But she's like, Hey, yeah, if we do this and we do this, and then he's like, Oh yeah, and then we could do this, and she's like, That's right, and then we'll do this. And like she finally has someone who she doesn't have to explain it to who actually figures it out with her. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. That was great.
0: So speaking of romance, now the question we always like to ask after the end of each horror movie is who did you have a crush on in the movie?
1: I, of course Hicks, like I
0: absolutely loved Hicks.
1: Um, and he just, um, seemed like a serious guy, but then, um, there's moments like subtleties where he's just um, so like kind to Ripley that you're like, Oh man, my heart just kind of like breaks type of thing. And he's like the only one that's listening to her. Um, As I got older, I really started having a crush on Vasquez. Like I absolutely loved her. I loved her toughness. Like, Oh my God. God. She's so high. Oh man. Um, Yeah. Um and I have like a t-shirt of her too that her glasses say anytime, anywhere. Like I just she's amazing. I, I love
2: her so much. What about you, Brett? Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and say I like Hudson. Yeah. <laughs> is Hudson that Bill is
0: Paxton?
2: Bill Paxton. You He's know He's also hot. You know what he reminded me of this time is he reminded me of now that I watch hockey with Sonia uh, I, I pay specifically more attention to the pregame warmups and all that stuff because Sonya's is really into the narrative of hockey, which I agree. Like, if you don't like a sport, it's only because you don't know the narrative. Um, and so, like, there's certain players on the Washington Capitals team that have little, like, handshakes, secret handshakes with their players or different little routines where they go up and they pretend to, like, tap the guy on the butt and then he, like, falls over and it's like that's what when hudson's like walking around doing gear checks on everyone and he's talking about the guns and stuff like i just got that impression that he's like the hockey player who's out at the front and who's like the hype man he's like let's go boys here we go but then just i mean that classic bill paxton turn of just instant coward game over man game over it's uh, and Bill Paxton has the, uh, that. I mean, you could get into the semantics of it, but Bill Paxton has that badge of honor of being a uh, victim of Predator, yes. Terminator, and Alien. Pretty cool. The only other oh, one yeah. would be Lance Henriksen, but you would argue maybe the Queen doesn't kill Bishop in this movie, so technically it gets a little messy. But either way, both of those actors are badasses, and that's a, a cool, mm-hmm. rare badge to have.
0: I agree. I think that's a good pick. I feel like this whole movie might as well be my no. sexual orientation between <laughs> uh, between Ripley, Vasquez, Bishop, even and and Hudson and and Hicks. They're all hot, but for me, I think I'm going to give it to the Alien Queen because she is just so yeah. powerful. And I'm attracted to power.
1: I'd be too worried about that acid. I feel like we would be on a date and accidentally scrape her and then it would just like melt my face off or something like that. So I'm a little worried about that.
0: But... <laughs> yeah, I don't think the alien queen is kind to waitstaff, oh so God. that would be problematic. I, you
1: know, I, don't, I don't see a missed order or something <laughs> wrong with the order going over too well. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, no, not at all. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I I love all of our answers for that. Yeah. I, I thought that was great. <laughs> so now it is on okay. to pitch time. Jessica Jastrzewski, you okay. are a producer. Brett and I have elevator pitches for you. I've tried Brett, I've tried to keep mine a lot shorter than I would normally. So we're just gonna go through like actors and the basic concept of it, and then I did actually have some marketing ideas, uh, <laughs> but that's what I was thinking. I don't know what you've prepared, Brett.
2: I've I found this extremely challenging <laughs> because it's like <laughs> Aliens is just such a good movie that I just get lost in the weeds of like what elements do I want to take from the movie and just not try to hit like I don't know I just thought it was really hard but once I got my idea down it became this really cool idea I wanted to play with so I kind of fleshed out the idea a lot but I'm going to I'm going to try to blast through it as quickly as I can but also I'm not going to mention every detail but if you ask me a question I'm more than positive that I can come mm-hmm. up with an answer for you because the world <laughs> I've got going on here <laughs> is pretty right silly on.
1: I can't wait to hear these pitches. I'm super excited because, um, like I said, I love everything about aliens. Like, um, I have, like, posters in my room. Someone um, gave me, like, a blanket that I have now on, like, my closet door of, like, aliens. I have all the different comics. And I'm, I'm super excited to hear a pitch from you all. I can't wait. So whatever you all are ready, I'm down.
0: So who should go first, Brett?
2: I don't know.
0: Is this I, the part I where it.
2: I say ladies first?
0: I guess I guess because <laughs> this is a very lady-centric movie, I'll I'll yeah. I'll pave the way this time. Uh all right, so I wanna call this movie chest bursters. Uh or I could have called it face huggers, but I I was going off of I want it to be like Heartbreakers in space. And if you don't know Heartbreakers, it was a 2001 movie with Sigourney Weaver and Jennifer Love Hewitt, where they played mother and daughter con women. Uh, So of course we got to get Sigourney back uh, to be the lead. And then who is playing her foster daughter, Newt, but Florence Pugh. So we get two Scream Queens together in one movie. Uh, it's going to be great to market Sigourney and Florence together. Uh, they're sexy space con women that implant face huggers and people to get money, stabilize space governments, uh, and then also fight for biracial alien rights. Uh, and of course, they're both going to get love interests. Uh, similar to Heartbreakers, we'll, we'll pair up Florence Pugh with one of her marks. Uh, maybe he's like the heir to a corporatocracy fortune. Like maybe he's Jeffrey Bezos, the 15th.
1: I love it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and he's played by Chris Hemsworth in his just oh best himbo. Uh, and then for Ripley... I say surprise comeback of Michael Fassbender Mm. as David. Uh and, you know, we know Ripley has a troubled history with artificial persons, so we'll get some kind of belligerent sexual tension going on between them, and, you know, I'm not saying that we need him because I think we should have another Michael Fassbender penis scene. I think that he would be really good with Sigourney Weaver, but we should definitely get another full frontal nudity <laughs> scene to really draw the crowds yeah. in.
2: Just to be sure.
0: Just, just to, to sure. just to be sure. Uh, and then as far as uh, marketing. For a human. <laughs> as far as marketing, I think that there should be an AR face huggers mobile game that's yeah. part Pokemon Go, part dating sim. And then uh <laughs> McDonald's limited time meal with a McFlurry that has a peanut butter face hugger oh core. <laughs> that's what i would do
2: yes chest bursters love it all right so now i feel bad because i i stress the idea of like let's just do a pitch like like an elevator (laughs) a soft elevator pitch but i i just was like oh man i i really got into this idea
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh let's hear it
2: (laughs) all right so i call mine spirit alien and this is going to be a sequel to aliens And it's a rom-com. So in traditional alien sci-fi, whatever, we're we're fitting right in with the genre of we're retconning things. We're going back and we're saying, okay, this counts, but this doesn't. And this counts, but not this. And uh, what we're going to do is we're going to (laughs) say Ripley and Hicks survive. Right. And then they go to a Wayland base and the the corporate pressure is kind of putting a lot of weight on them to be like you guys are fucked like you guys blew up this whole thing come on what what do you think uh and so what they do is they end up getting fake ids to go to an off world terraforming place so so in order to go to the colony right you have to be married so they're gonna have to pretend to be married Uh-oh. i love a fake marriage plot. And then, you know, the thing is, we're going to again, sure. No, I've I've busted out this up card a bunch. But the fact that like we're just going to blast through an entire relationship in 10 minutes, Uh, we're basically going to go from a young couple in love. And at first they're like, well, since we're pretending to be married uh, to like an actual couple who's just kind of not that they hate each other, they just kind of have like gone on their separate ways and realized that they kind of are just you know near each other they're just living near each other now instead of being in love and supporting each other they just don't Mm. need each other's support anymore so what happens terraforming happens and whatever the cloud the cycle opens and the ray of sunshine comes down and these these spirit aliens come out from the ground and they're like, ah, the time of the equinox is here, the holy sunlight. And they're like, take these seeds and ingest them and from them, the spirit of nature will flourish and make this planet grow. But also, we have to go because we can only do this once every 100 millennia. Yeah. So we have to go to the next planet. Uh, so and they like he- the
0: architect's?
2: Yeah, uh, the engineers. Or the engineers, sorry. Yeah, but the problem is, because of the terraforming, they sped up this process, so they have to wait a week before they can do the ceremony, for whatever reason. Because it's got to be on the Equinox. So these guys, basically, the terraforming set the the wake-up alarm early. Uh, so, now, Wayland is like, wait a minute. People are handing out free spirit animals? <laughs> we got to get in on this. So the people start to come in, the corporate people. um, And then while they're at the ceremony, Hicks and Ripley both get an egg. And then one of them, the the ceremony gets attacked. One of them loses their egg. And then they have to make a moment where they get split up. And Hicks gives his egg to Ripley. And then, boom, they get split up. So maybe they're in like a floating Mm. tower. And then they both fall down. Um, so imagine like if Ripley was in Austin and Hicks was in Dallas. Now what's going to happen is Wayland has this spirit egg. And what we're going to do is I-, I wanted to incorporate this chest burster scene without making it violent and gory. Cause unlike Shira, when I rom-comify a horror movie, I tend to neuter down some of the gore. Whereas Shira's like, yeah. nope, chest bursters. You're getting it
0: why not Uh, the public can take it brett
2: well okay but here here we go i think you guys are gonna like where i'm going with this okay so so the last we left off our heroes had been separated (laughs) um and so the the wayland military now has the spirit animal so the the military um uh again some of this is crazy but what happens is we we follow ripley she takes the spirit animal seed and then from her chest glows out this spirit animal um that is an alien queen you know it may not be the giant one that's a full-formed queen but it's like a young teen alien queen and so it can talk (laughs) to ripley again a young queen alien teen (laughs) young queen alien teen um and it can talk to Ripley. So it's like a Wilfred kind of thing going on where it's like, Oh, the queen can, cause it's a spirit animal. So it talks. And so what we have to establish is that Wayland is going to use their super scary science Ray to turn the spirit animal into an actual physical animal because only the people whose spirit it is can see it because by design, the people who give birth to these spirit animals are supposed to imbue them with their spirit so the spirit can then go out and, you know, like metaphysically kind of this Norse god nature has, you know, witches kind of thing of like, the spirits are more of a ethereal elemental force, right? Mm. And so you can shape the force of, you know, you can shape what the planet is going to be by colonizing it and terraforming it with people's souls. And so Ooh. what we're going to do is have the alien queen team up with Ripley, even though there's a little bit of buddy cop dynamic. Because they Vader have to, to- style. Right. They have to save the planet. Otherwise, the planet's going to be destroyed. So they both want to save the planet. And then what I really loved, like I said about aliens, was when Hicks and Ripley have to figure things out. So much of this movie is like- I think in sci-fi, there's a lot of tendency to just have a character who's like, let me explain everything to you. Mm -hmm. Whereas Ripley is like, crap, here's a bunch of things. How do they fit together? So again, if Ripley is in Austin and Hicks is in Dallas, they're going to try to go to Midland, Texas. Mm -hmm. So they're going to both try to go towards a place that's like equidistant, but they have to go on their own separate paths. Now, the alien queen, only Ripley can see it and talk to it, so she sends it out on scouting missions to go find Hicks, because, of course, they've got trans, like, they've got those transponders that let them know where they are or whatever. But the air is still semi-poisonous, so no humans can go out in the air, but luckily, the alien queen is a spirit animal, so she doesn't have to worry about things like breathing.
1: Oh, my God. So.
2: (laughs) So when the alien queen watches Hicks, she's watching Hicks, seeing what he's doing and then having to report that information secondhand to Ripley. So now Ripley has to figure out what is Hicks planning on doing when he as he approaches this Wayland facility. So the alien can be like, well, he was around a bunch of rocks. And they were growing and it kind of smelled like this or it kind of did like this. And she can be like, oh, that sounds like he ionized granite rocks with a quartz crystal. Like that would be a good way to to condense a, a laser beam into a thing. So she has to kind of approach Wayland's science headquarters while anticipating what Hicks is going to do. So in a sense, they have to work together without ever communicating together. And that's Mm -hmm. where a lot of the, um, I'm thinking like Darkman or Evil Dead 2, where like you can have a lot of like Ripley has to act against herself. And Michael Bean they have to like act crazy and talk out crazy. Darkman does a great job. Liam Neeson does a great job of talking out crazy science babble in that movie. Um... And so once they finally get to the same place, Ripley kind of anticipates what Hicks' plan is going to be. So she goes, turns out the the corporal guy created his own alien king. And so he's going to rule over the planet. He's going to turn the king into a real monster using his science ray. Hmm. Ripley goes and stops the science ray, Right. But then the king is like, actually, the king kidnapped your queen. Here's the video of it, right? And it's like the queen is like, Ripley, no! So now Ripley has to find the queen. Because otherwise the queen's in danger and the queen will die. And then the king will still be around, spirit animal or not. I I, I don't know. We'll figure it out, right? This is first draft stuff. (laughs) What's going to happen is Hicks is going to bust into the room and Hicks is going to say, "Hey, Ripley, I know how to find the queen." And so Ripley's going to go, "Oh, looks like I don't need you anymore, villain." Bang, shoot him between the eyes or just poo poo on him, whichever one, PG-13 or R rating. And then she's going to be like, "How do you know where the queen is, though?" And he's going to be like, "It's a little, I, you know, I've got a little friend on my side or something." And then they go rush to the alien queen. She finds the alien queen rushes to her side. And then they get this bonding moment of like alien, like Ripley with this very sexual HR Giger thing. And they're like very intimate, but it's not like sexual, but it's just like, Oh, alien queen, you're dying. Oh no. You're the last of your kind and your spirit can live on. Oh no. And then I hope the
0: little alien had <laughs> boops are on the nose.
2: <laughs> um, <laughs> And then yes. she looks back towards Hicks and was like, No, really? How did you do it? And then Hicks, through sci fi magic, movie magic, is like, He's like, you know, again, he's like, I had faith in what it was like. It, it was through our spirit together. And she's like, What do you mean? And then we cut back to Michael Bean. When he gets separated originally, he finds one of the magic alien seeds ingests it and his spirit animal is a tiny little newt who climbs onto Ripley's alien queen and just kind of hangs out like one of those fish on a shark. And so oh. then we get a whole bunch of flashbacks that are like, Oh, this newt was hanging out on the queen all along. And so then the newt's like, boop, 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 boop. it's it's just cute. <laughs> and so then very uh,
0: very pixar
2: yeah so then hicks hicks decides he's gonna go get revenge on wayland and because that's the masculine thing to do for revenge right is like i'm just gonna go and put a bullet in him but then ripley decides i need to take this alien queen um and, and when we, when the, when her spirit gets born, her alien queen spirit, like Ripley can be, they can stress the fact that your inner spirit is going to have an effect on the entire planet. And so Ripley wants to have a positive effect on the planet, but because of the attack, it brings out that inner rage. So we can cut back to some alien two things where it's like, you know, she's using the blowtorch and she's got that rage from the last third of that movie. But now because the alien queen was born from hatred and anger, she now has to work together with the alien queen to be like a motherly figure and show it how to be nice and how to take care and how to take care of things like the little baby newt. And the queen after a while will transform and blossom the planet into a wonderful, world where everyone can thrive Hmm. and so it doesn't make sense but we have a theme of aliens (laughs) coming out of you yes and we have this theme of i really just wanted to play with the idea of these two characters who like of course the sequel is going to put them together but then how can we make the movie about breaking them apart whilst while never at one point going you're the bad guy, right? It's mm-hmm. still about them working together. It's still about them respecting each other. It's just them going like, all right, you go this way, I'll go that way. Hmm. Um, and that's spirit alien.
1: <laughs> right on. Um, and then do you think... Um... Actually, it's not too bad of an idea. Thinking about ways to actually have them give birth because there is like a weird DNA swaps like that happens. Um, So it is kind of interesting that thought that maybe it doesn't have to be so horrible and um, uh, just gruesome too to um, have like a chest burster in you or something like that. That is an
2: yeah. I I like. I mean, I know that you are Jessica are a huge fan of Alien Three. (laughs) <laughs> for the <laughs> probably more for the movie it it could have been than the movie it is
1: yes exactly but
2: probably the greatest contribution that that movie made to the alien lore was the fact that it kind of takes on that dna aspect of its host yes and so i did i really wanted to work in that idea of like ripley's spirit burrs this creature in anger but yeah, so, I mean, that that's just, like, that's a weird idea, but its I like the themes. I really paid attention to those kinds of themes this time around so that I could play with them in a rom-com setting.
1: Gotcha. Very cool. Um, yeah, I wish... Because um, we talked about all of the wonderful things that I think that Aliens had, and, like I said, I love romantic kind of family... Um, thoughts and movies and even though I love horror and gore and then to see like an alien three they're like uh mm, that's not gonna happen I'm like no why'd you do that (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I do agree like it's so important to see how um they start going into like the xenomorph how it's actually the um but um you know that the DNA can be swapped and they become like hybrids and take on different forms and um for a little bit, they did have like a toy campaign that had that, and oh my
2: goodness! Oh yeah,
1: and it could have gone like wild with that. I I think it. I don't know if it was marketed correctly because I feel like they really could have done some crazy stuff with that.
2: Yeah, it's uh, it's Xenomon. Gotta yeah. catch them all.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think they missed that opportunity. They just didn't market it correctly. But um, no, it's a very interesting thought to think about because um, they do kind of um. One of, like, the horrors of the Alien franchise is it's giving um, gentlemen an opportunity to see what it's like to um, have something living inside you that's going to come out in any minute. Um, So, not as, um, you know, there's, like, some very um, scary moments of birth as a woman, but to see it coming through someone's chest like that, you know, it isn't to the degree that we have to go through, but it's still kind of a scary thought to think about for anyone to think about something in you that wasn't supposed to be there. And it's interesting to think about it in a way that could be um, beautiful in some sense. And it could be more on like life than um, scary thing that jumps out of you. So... <laughs>
2: No, yeah, I, think- I really don't think there, I mean, other than from a very cold, uh, synthetic person point of view, I really don't think there's anything that's, like, the beauty of nature when it comes to aliens and how, like, existentially terrifying they are and how they just eviscerate you and use your body as a meat bag. Yeah. but um,
0: <laughs> You don't feel that way about marriage?
2: Oof. Don't get me started. <laughs> don't even get me started. Oh, my God. Um. But yeah, uh, but I but I agree that like there could be something beautiful in it, just not in the aliens universe.
1: Yeah, not in the aliens, <laughs>
2: the aliens is like no, we've 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 gone too far down the other way. There's no turning back now.
0: Definitely. So you're the producer. <laughs> what what movie is being greenlit? Um, the two movies are um, chest. Is it breakers or bursters? what did we Chess say bursters or- because it's a play on heartbreakers
1: <laughs> yes and then brett yours is spirit alien or what is spirit it called? alien <laughs> um i'm gonna be honest and i think i want to go with the chestburster movie i like this idea of having um con people in space they kind of touched a little bit about that in Alien Resurrection, with them like selling Ooh. different bodies and everything like that for scientific experimentation. And I think it would be interesting to kind of have con women in space, like with the <laughs> alien species. Like that's kind of fun. Like
2: I, yes. I like that a so lot. But that also fits with the uh, like, um, what what do they call it? Skelvaging? is that? <laughs> scavenging? Skelvaging? Oh,
1: scavenging. Right.
2: Like, they, they, they talk about that in both movies, about how, like, oh, we found this, we get to keep it, we get all yes. the things from this. Like, yeah, there is this sense in, in Alien and Aliens that it's kind of every person out for themselves.
1: Exactly. So,
2: con women would thrive in this kind of universe, especially yeah. the, the darker, noir-ish sci-fi noir that alien and aliens have like yeah that would be a pretty cool movie to see a sci-fi noir sigourney weaver con woman in space
1: yes that's pretty cool like a new daughter that they both kind of like run around and like screw people over and stuff like that (laughs) that's so funny i love that i really and um and it goes back to like the like tough woman in space type of thing and the mother-daughter relationship so i i would probably greenlit that one Brett, I love your story, but there's something about calm women in space that really grabbed me. (laughs) So, (laughs)
2: have you guys seen Paper Moon?
0: Mm -mm. Not yet. That's the the uh, the one with uh, Ryan and Tatum O'Neill, right?
2: Yeah, that has got a great con person, adult, kid relationship vibe where it's the dad and his daughter and he's got to take her somewhere, but he just wants to drop her off and get rid of her. Cause he's a con man and he kind of shows her the ropes and they just go on this crazy road trip. And it is a beautiful, beautiful touching story and film. And if you could work some of that, like some of that magical movie whimsiness into here, cause James Cameron makes, he makes a classically, entertaining and pleasing movie um so yeah i think i think chestbursters is a great pick yeah
0: <laughs> Woo.
2: i'll rework mine into like an arcade game or something <laughs> A oh, shoot 'em or game. um
0: yours i think would make a really great netflix anime yes.
2: yeah netflix animes are I, I watched the pacific rim one and it was entertaining it was like all right yeah this is six episodes of Hanging out in Pacific Rim World. Yeah. Yeah, it was fun.
0: Awesome. Thank you, Jessica. Yeah, so as you. we wrap things up, Jessica Jastrzewski, how can the people find you? Is there anything you'd love to promote?
1: Um, So right now I have a um, course going on. It's called Best Gals. Um, I saw that they're... In Texas, there really aren't a lot of women that are in the department called G&E. It stands for GRIP and Electric. And um, right now, I only know three or four other women in all of Texas that currently do this. Wow. In all the industries. And I really wanted to start um, giving women an opportunity, a fun, safe, and welcoming opportunity to ask whatever questions they want to, to be able to take this course and just have fun and feel empowered and feel like they are learning something new. Even if they don't want to go into g it's an opportunity for them to um, be able to just learn new skills on set or understand what's going on, especially if you're a female producer and want to know, like, what is exactly going on in that grip truck? Why does this cost so much? What, you know, how come this maybe takes longer than what I expected? Like, you learn all of these things from the course. And it's just a great way to network with other women in the film industry. So that's also why I put that together, because I um, I just want more opportunities for um, us to um, diversify sets, kind of cross over different ideas, create new things and just um, network more and learn new skills. So I kind of came up with that course um, right now. in And um, uh, I'm planning either September 4th or 11th to go to Austin with the class like we did a successful one in Dallas and I'm hoping to go to Austin. And then from there, um, I, you know, there, I might be traveling nationally to kind of go with this campaign because a lot of people see it as a wonderful opportunity to um, increase diversity in that department. So, um, And that's at um, www.thebestgals.com.
0: The Best Gals.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's a oh. play off of the um, department name called Best Boys, which is the assistant of, um, grip or gaffer. And I decided to give it like a fun little
0: twist called best gals. So (laughs) I love that so much. And I just, the entire concept as you explained it to me warms my heart and it, that is so awesome. Who knows? You may even see me in Austin.
1: Yeah, that would be awesome. You're very welcome. Anybody. And um, if anybody has any questions or um, even just wants to come to just kind of like see, you know, just a visit and just take some pictures, they're more than welcome to do that as well. So, um, just, uh, and also um, on Facebook or on Instagram or on the website, um, anybody that has any questions about G&E, that maybe they saw something on set and they want to know what this is or what is the setup called or why did they do it this way? You know, please feel free to reach out. I'm more than happy to um, help out, to teach, or to um, send you to the right person that might be able to give you the answer that you want. Because um, Genie is a very apprenticeship type of situation that you learn from passing down from other folks. There aren't really that many books about it, and so it's just passed on by word of mouth. And I'd love to be able to pass that on to um, some very, you know, to anybody that's interested in learning.
0: That is absolutely wonderful. Well, folks, you heard it here first. The door is open if you want to <laughs> learn more from Jessica. Uh,
2: but also, I do want to say, even if you're not interested in being in GE, if you're interested in being in film, there's certain positions like a producer, director, um, AD, cinematographer. I mean, if you're a cinematographer or DP, you probably You probably don't need a class in in grip, but, um, but if you're a producer or director or anything like that, and you don't know how that department works, having like a one day course just to see the fundamentals, if, if you want to make movies, knowing how every little department works really, really helps out.
1: (laughs) Oh yeah. Um, And just knowing like what this piece of equipment is and why does this cost so much or you know, um, what does this do? And also just to know like safety measures too, if you're AD and, um, yeah. a lot of times we cover that, but sometimes you're not always with the crew that knows everything about Genie. So it's good to know from an AD yeah. point. Like but also
2: like Genie types. is just setting stuff up. So why don't you just do it faster? It's like, exactly. that's not what it is.
1: <laughs> exactly. No. Slow
2: down, slow down. No. Slow down Ripley. Whoa it's like yeah uh genie's way more complicated than that
1: i think a lot of times too on set it's um especially being female like you're very nervous about looking green about not knowing what this is about being teased um and it's an opportunity for you to be able to ask any questions you want to without being judged i um from the beginning i said this is a non-judgmental zone and you know i keep that way with um, questions that people reach out to me, or if they're in the class, so um, it, it's supposed to be fun. I think learning's fun, and I wanted to keep that in there. So.
2: Hey, hey, Jessica. Yeah. Have you ever been mistaken for a PA? <laughs> oh God, yes.
1: <laughs> I've been mistaken as a um, hair and makeup. I had, oh, I'm
2: sure. Yeah. Um,
1: taken where I was guiding um, the camera op. And I was kind of, because I was key grip on that, and I was helping guide him. And, um, yeah, someone commented, like, what's the makeup girl doing gu- um, watching the camera person? Did they not have a key grip on set? So, like, I was like, is it because of my pink hair that you thought that Oh, was? my goodness. <laughs> so, yes, I, yeah, going back to that quote and also the Vasquez thing, I think that's where my heart's been going with Vasquez a lot, because I remember,
2: yeah. yeah so but also if you were on a set i also wouldn't be surprised if someone did mistake you for hair and makeup or for any other position because yeah. you're good at doing all sorts of stuff oh thank um, you yeah oh. so i know that i've plugged my movie uh violence of the sun a few times on this podcast but jessica worked with me on that she was the production designer Yes, and, that was a
1: lot of fun. Yeah, no.
2: that was freaking fantastic. And that was yeah. just a blast. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I was like constantly going to recycling um, locations in Austin, trying to get any type of wires or cords or anything so I can make it look like a dystopian spaceship. Like, That was a yeah. lot of fun. If,
2: if you watch Violence of the Sun and you take note of the production design and you think, what the heck was Jessica thinking? She was probably thinking the same thing at the time because it's like *Violence of the Sun* is like, okay, guys, I want to have this kind of like, it's like it's in the future, but it's got all this old tech and it's like rewired. And I was like, "Uh, just throw it together, you'll figure it out. (laughs) Just because, like, all right, I guess,
0: I got it, I got it, and she did. Yeah, she was. She fulfilled the assignment, is what it sounds like.
2: *Violence of the Sun*. I can't watch it now, but when I edited it. I I loved editing it cuz I was like this movie it just everything came right and clicked together and Definitely. even though it's really weird I was like yeah this movie is this is what I wanted like if people don't like it then they don't like what I wanted that's fine. Mm-hmm. And um, why and- did it come together? Cuz of Jessica Straszky.
1: Oh, I I don't know about that, but I helped with the wires and the production design right.
2: so. You
1: no. Know. It was. It was. It um, didn't
2: come together, but it stayed together.
1: Yeah. No. <laughs> I think it was great. I really enjoyed it, and seeing it actually in its final cut was like really cool to see. And it's like, um, especially that tracking shot where he's um, walking through one of the bays. Like I, and it's like crossing over the foreground with the wires and like that weird dummy thing that I created with wires coming out of it to look like a half android. Like I. I liked it a lot. I was really proud to show it off to folks. Oh, but before I do, I wanted to um, thank you all for the donations of the gloves for the Best Gals event. Um, if uh, folks hadn't seen like the post that I set, like posted out, like um, you all um, donated and helped out with the gloves, which are extremely important for um, anybody that's trying to be a grip that's dealing with hot lights on set or any type of equipment that could. Um, damage your hands so thank you so much for your generous donation like i really appreciate that um, but thank you really appreciate it
2: yeah i i loved seeing it and was like the moment i saw you kicking ass and taking names i was like yeah what can i do to help <laughs>
0: So, so typically we wrap things up by giving what we like to call love bites, where we will recommend a little something that we have been uh, ingesting recently, whether that is TV, movies, or anything else. Is there anything you'd like to recommend to our audience this week? Um, What are the recommendations for again? I'm sorry. It can be for anything you want. One time, Brett recommended cats, uh, and he also recommended sporks. Uh, usually, it ends up being movies, TV, or video games, but really, the sky is the limit. Oh man! Um...
2: I, I will go first yeah. if you want to. Yeah. If you want to take a moment to think, <laughs> yeah. I uh, on behalf of Jessica. Uh, being our ghoul friend this episode, I'm going to recommend a dark item of clothing, and <laughs> that is Black Hat. Uh, if you guys know, I'm a man boy fanboy, love my director, crush, Michael Mann. He directed a movie called Black Hat. And if you go on HBO, you can watch this movie, and it is not good. It is not good. Like, it's just not. But If you're a fan of Michael Mann, you can tell it's almost like if Yoda was talking his way through a technical manual, right? Like, yeah, I get like, it's slightly out of jumble, but it just because it's slightly out of jumble, the whole movie just doesn't make sense. Well, a quick Google search revealed that the the movie channel or the TV channel FX once aired the director's cut, which only played once in theaters in New York city. It aired the director's cut for like three weeks on accident or something crazy. So this guy recorded it and then duplicated the footage using the (coughs) existing movie, blu-ray special features, extras and stuff like that. And he put together the film the way Michael Mann intended, which I have to say is it's like you described Jessica. It's Legos. It is all the exact same parts, but it just makes sense. And that's what they did to him with Miami vice. The theatrical Miami vice is a completely incoherent piece of garbage, but the director's cut is like, it's a cult classic because that movie just fits um so if I can find it with one quick google search I'm sure you can too but it was kind of cool that like you gotta like find this guy who's got this cut and these people are like "Ooh, if you go to this site maybe he's still got it and if you ask so I did I hit him up I asked him and he said yeah here it is uh don't you know it's like don't directly share it with everyone but you know just here you go on the download." and so I thought that was really cool and Jessica likes black I do I
1: love black articles of clothing a lot i think that's 99 percent of what i wear
2: so
0: awesome so black hat huh
2: black hat yeah chris hemsworth is a master hacker
0: i can get into it i mean i like him more as a himbo but i'll I'll (laughs) accept it
2: you Uh, i think sure i think you would really appreciate the director's cut of this movie and his his performance it's it's good. Well, <laughs> on.
0: <off. laughs> well, I'm, I'm going to pull a breath this week and give a non-traditional recommendation. Uh, I think it was either last week or a couple weeks ago you recommended Oregon, right?
2: Yeah, or, Astoria. Astoria, Astoria
0: Oregon. Oregon. So I would like to recommend to any of our listeners who have the opportunity to either go to Santa Fe or to Las Vegas – to go to the Meow Wolf Art Exhibit. This is a really interesting, surreal, immersive art exhibit Uh, And in Santa Fe, it is called the House of Eternal Return, uh, and it has all these unique features like you open the refrigerator and it's a door to another dimension. And then in Las Vegas, instead of the House of Eternal Return, they now have a place called Omega Mart. So you walk into this supermarket and then walk out through the garden center and into another world. Uh, And the way that they laid out this exhibit is just very clever and cool and surreal Mm -hmm. and funny and uh, great activity to get out of the heat this summer. (laughs) So if you have the chance to visit Meow Wolf, uh, it it should be at the top of your to-do list. Right
1: on. That sounds great
0: uh what about you jessica any love
1: bites okay um this might be completely random and not like related to foam or anything like that but i
0: we love random fallen
1: in love with trader joe's (laughs) yellow curry frozen dish that's vegan and has jackfruit in it i'm not a huge like i do love vegan dishes and vegetarian but anybody that is like ooh, i don't know about that but i love thai like pick it up if you want to throw some meat in there too if that you know is what you want to do but I I um I think after like this I'm gonna go grocery shopping and probably buy five of them
0: just for the week just to eat them (laughs) but um pick up some peanut butter cups yes those are
1: amazing and I love their um peanut butter sticks like they have um, peanut butter in them and then you dip them in raspberry jam. I'm obsessed about Trader Joe's, just to be honest.
0: So yellow, frozen yellow curry, yes, jackfruit. It's,
1: um, and it comes with like a little thing of jasmine rice too. Um, and it's not super spicy, but if you want to, you can make it more spicy. But um, I have to usually do mild because I'm very sensitive to spiciness. But yeah, that's probably, that's probably one of my best recommendations right now so um um oh um can i add one more thing actually I feel, this is they recently re-released um dark city to have the director's cut which they no longer have that weird intro that like that narrative intro so if you love dark city and you finally got rid of that cuz that ruined like the whole story it's like now i know what's going on cool <laughs> thanks so <laughs> like, you want to show somebody without giving away like the whole damn plot in the first five minutes they they release that so go out i highly recommend that too so get some yellow curry sit down and watch dark city so <laughs> and get that copy because i was watching that with somebody and i was like oh no here comes the narration and then it, it didn't come up and i'm like yes they-.
0: i think that's a great recommendation i
1: um and it, like I said, it like it it pretty much states like the whole movie and gives away almost like the ending too. And I'm like, why did you do that? Just because some people didn't take a second to understand like the story. Um, yeah. So <laughs> that's my recommendation. So
0: I like it. I like it very much. All right. Well, that is all for today. Thank you, ghoul friend Jessica Justrebski, oh, for joining both us. Thank you for
1: having me. It's been a blast. I really love this, and I love talking about aliens. So this has been absolutely amazing. Thank you for having me.
0: Oh, you are very welcome. <laughs> well, Brett, how would Big Daddy
2: Mars sign us off? No, uh, Big oh, Mama Ma- Ripley. Oh
0: how yeah, would- how would Big Mama Ripley sign us off?
2: Get away from her, you. Bah, bah, nah, bah, bah, bah. <laughs>